Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before we start, can we just rise up on our feet? Just commit this moment into the hands of the Lord. They say, Lord, I'm before you. Speak to me, Father Lord. As I've come here, I won't leave this place empty-handed. Lord, I pray that you will have a word for me. As this moment has come, Father Lord, you will speak to me. You will speak to my particular situation. Lift up whatever that situation is where you're expecting the Lord to speak to you. Just ask the Lord, I want to hear clearly from you. I know we're here. Everybody has something that's on his mind. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. If there's any iota of sin in our lives, Father Lord, we ask that you forgive us. You forgive us, Father Lord, that we might be able to come before your presence with holy hearts. I commit myself, even as I preach and I give your word, Lord, may I give the word according to how you expect it to be given, Father Lord. May I look up to the cross, ask that you give me understanding and you give me rema in Jesus' name. Amen. Another prayer request, I know India is going to election. Uh, there are various parties that are contesting, whether it be the BJP, is it, or Congress, isn't it? Whatever side the parties are, whatever side the people are, that God would elect godly leaders, people that will fear God. And if a leader fears God, every other thing will fall into place. So lift up the nation of India. We're talking about over one billion people. And I can tell you they will determine the direction of the world. Father Lord, we lift up the nation of India. Father Lord, as they go to the polls, Father Lord, of various parties of different affiliations, Father, we pray that you will raise up godly leaders, leaders that will fear you. Because we know the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, Father Lord. In whatever regions, governorates, parliament, whatever it is, Father Lord, only people that will fear the true God, Father Lord, will be elected into positions of power. We pray for a peaceful election. We pray that lives will not be lost, Father Lord. Lord, we pray at the end of this election, Lord, us Christians in that nation, Father Lord, will have testimonies to your goodness, Father Lord. Thank you, Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. And I say it is well with India. It is well with India. Amen. I would like you just to greet two people and say, I'm expectant today. I'm expectant and I'll be fulfilled today. And then you may have your seat. I have to do those. I'll be fulfilled today. I'll be fulfilled today and I'm expectant. In Jesus' name, we have come together. Now, if by show of hands, if I say, how many of us are living a fulfilled life? Just indicate it. Are you fulfilled? Yes. A couple of hands. A couple. Of, it's not a true question. Don't worry. It's not a true question. So I have a couple of hands that have come out. And um, they have said they're living a fulfilled life. So why, what about the rest of us? Are we fulfilled? By our hands being down, that means to a certain measure, we are not fulfilled. So what is the reason for us not being fulfilled in this life? That's a question I want to ask you. What is the reason for you not being fulfilled in this life? And based on that, it brings us to the title of my message. There's somebody that we can look. We can use an example to how we can get to a fulfilled life. Praise the Lord. And that's why I titled this message, Hezekiah, Living a Fulfilled Life. Hezekiah living a fulfilled life. Praise the Lord. Hezekiah living a fulfilled life. So we're going to take an example of somebody in the Bible, and we'll, 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 we'll start from there. Now, we have a lot of text to read. Uh, is the PowerPoint there? We have a couple of texts to read, but we'll read it as we go, okay? We'll read it as we go. There's a lot of um, 2 Kings 18, most likely to 21. That's the full chapter. On your own, you can go and read it. We're going to read just snapshots of it now, but as, as the message goes on. And then you also have in 2 Chronicles 28 to almost about 30 or 31, you have the story of Hezekiah. Praise the Lord. 
Now, before we go down to Hezekiah, let's go into a bit of history. We know when Joshua conquered the nation of Israel that the Lord had given them to them. It was one nation, wasn't it? Praise the Lord. And they desired a king. And the king gave them, who was it? It was Saul, the first, the first king, isn't it? And God was not pleased with Saul. And he handed the throne over to David. And David handed it over to Solomon. Okay? Now, David lived to the best of his abilities. Solomon lived to the best of his abilities, but he wavered along the line. Am I correct? And because he wavered along the line, he had an opposition from within. And that opposition was from who? From Jeroboam, isn't it? They say Jeroboam was a man of valor from Nebat, isn't it? And he had, he was a widow's son. So he was a common man that raised opposition to Solomon at that time. Praise the Lord. And when they say the mighty man of valor, that means he had a lot of influence. Hallelujah. And at that time, when Solomon was dying, he passed over the kingdom to who? To Rehoboam. Okay, that was his son. Rehoboam, he had passed it over. But meanwhile, Jeroboam was there. And at that time, Jeroboam, there was a prophet that came and put a garment on him, and they tore it to ten to two. Ten pieces, two pieces. Ten for uh, ten tribes and two for the other tribes. And Solomon found out that this person was anointed to be a leader in the nation of Israel. Something similar to what happened between David and Saul, if you understand. When, Saul, uh, when Samuel anointed uh, David and Jeroboam ran away to Egypt, isn't it? And he went to hide in Egypt at that particular point in time. And when Solomon died, he came back. And then Rehoboam was already in charge, isn't it? And we can remember the story about Rehoboam. You know, the people came and met him. They said the father dealt with them with a heavy hand. The father taxed them. And he went and met the elders. I said, what shall I do? And the elders advised him to lessen the tax, to lessen the burden on him. But he went along with his contemporaries and he put other tax on them, isn't it? That's the story of Rehoboam. I'm just setting the, the stage. And when that happened, Jeroboam had the wherewithal to rebel. Praise the Lord. And the nation of Judah and Benjamin stayed with Rehoboam, and Jeroboam had the other ten tribes. Praise the Lord. That's how the two nations were divided. You can get that in 1 Kings chapter 12. If you read the story, you, you, you'll, see, you'll see what happened there. And they had the capital in Samaria, and Judah had the capital where? In Jerusalem, isn't it? So from having 12 tribes, he only had two tribes, Rehoboam. But the difference was that the two tribes he had was where Jesus was going to descend from, isn't it? Praise the Lord. It might seem a little, but that was where the setting is. Now, along the line, Israel had so many kings. Praise the Lord. And all of them were bad. Go and check. Israel, all of them were bad. In Judah, some were bad, some were good. In Israel, there was only one that was Omri. Omri fought the Moabites, and he conquered them. But when the Bible said uh, someone was a good leader, it refers to whether the person followed the dictates of God. That's how it was assessed in the Bible. It wasn't about his exploits. It was about how he followed, okay, the dictates of God. Omri did not follow the dictates of God, but even though he had some victories. But in Judah, he had some good, he had some bad. So Hezekiah, who was Hezekiah? Can we go to the next slide, please? Who was Hezekiah? And that was what I was trying to explain to you. But before we go there, that was the intro I was trying to tell you. And I was trying to show you. You can see that those are the two nations, Judah and Israel, isn't it? And uh, you will see Bethel, you will see Jerusalem down there. Now, in modern day Israel, you have part of Jordan and I think bits of Syria into the northern part of Israel. But Judah today predominantly is in modern day Israel, isn't it? And you can see Gaza, the piece where they're fighting about. So the current Israel, 
from what it was meant to be is even smaller. But those, that was the two nations in those days. And that was how it was divided. Praise the Lord. So let's go down. Who was Hezekiah? Praise the Lord. Next slide, please. Those are the texts, but we'll read it as, a, as time goes on. I'll tell when Brother Matthew will help us to read. Next slide, please. Thank you. Now it came to no, pass. Uh, this, hold on a second. We'll, we'll go there. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Brother Matthew. Just read uh, 2 Kings 18, 1 to 16. Now, Kings. now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory, from watchtower to fortified city. Now it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they took it in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in Hala and by the Hebor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded, and they would neither hear nor do them. And in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Praise the Lord. That's also verse 16, isn't it? Hallelujah. So quickly, who was Hezekiah? I will just find time to go and read this on your own. We're just going to be taking snapshots and we're going through it. Who was Hezekiah? Hezekiah means the Lord strengthened. My Lord strengthens or the Lord strengthens. That's the meaning of Hezekiah, isn't it? And he was the 12th king of Judah. So that's why I started at the beginning. I showed you which nation he fall into. He fell under the side of where Jesus was going to come. Jesus' lineage, isn't it? And this was between 715 and 699 BC. And he started to reign at 25 years. Okay? Young age. 25 years. And he reigned for 29 years, isn't it? And if my math is correct, that means he must die at 54. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So 54 years was all he was alive for on this earth. Five, four years, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Are you with me? And his dad was Ahaz. Okay? And his mother was Abi, which was a daughter of prophet Zechariah. Okay? Ahaz is dad, Abi's mother. That's just a brief summary of who Hezekiah was. Praise the Lord. Now, 10 points of a fulfilled life. We're going to pick snapshots of what we can learn from Hezekiah. Okay? Number one point. 
And if you have your pens, you can write this down, okay, so you can go back. Heritage does not define your destiny. What did I say? Heritage does not define your destiny. I don't know where you're coming from, but your heritage does not define your destiny. Okay? In 2 Chronicles 28, 1-4, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his father David had done. And he walked in the ways of Israel and made molded images for the Baal. For Baal. He burned incense in the valley of son of Heman and burned his children in the fire according to abominations of the nations who the Lord had cast before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. Praise the Lord. That was King Ahaz. That was Hezekiah's father. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Sacrificed to foreign gods, he cut to pieces the articles of God. He shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. So what am I talking about? He closed the temple. People could not go and worship. Praise the Lord. But the worst part of it for me, he sacrificed his children in the fire. He sacrificed his children. It's a wonder how Hezekiah missed that. And most likely it was because Hezekiah maybe was born before his father got to the throne. So maybe the new young ladies, part of the abominations of those days, they used to sacrifice their children. Now most of you are looking aghast. But from where I come from, there's a lot of uh, witchcraft now, isn't it? There's a lot of all these abominations. I'm sure it's the same thing in India. You still have people that are practicing all those barbaric acts. But the part of joy is his. They said his mother was I.B. daughter of Prophet Zechariah. So most likely, I'm not sure the Bible does not say that, but the mother brought him in the right way of the Lord. Praise the Lord. So he had a choice. Will I follow my father or will I go separately? But he decided to follow a separate route than his father. Now, a lot of times, people blame their failures on their parents. The choice is yours. Your heritage will not define your destiny. You might come from a different background. You might come from a poor background. That does not mean you're, going to, you're not going to reach your peak. You might come from a Muslim family. You might come from a Hindu family. But God can use you. So that's number one point. Your heritage does not define your destiny. Praise the Lord. Number two, godliness first. Godliness first. Brother Matthew, if you can read 2 Chronicles 29, 3-11, please. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, Sanctify now yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed, and done what, that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, and have forsaken him, and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs. Also, they have shut up the doors of the porch, and put out the lamps, and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment and to hissing, as ye see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that ye should minister unto him and burn incense. Thank you, my brother. So he went there immediately. He went to action immediately. Hezekiah was a man of action. He didn't waste time, isn't it? In the first verse we read, he said he broke the bronze serpent called Nehushtan at that time. 
And can you remember where the bread separate came from? It came during Moses' time, if I can remember. Okay? They sinned against the Lord, and they were bitten by snakes. And Moses had to lift up a bronze serpent. And anybody who looked at that serpent lived. Am I correct? Now, people will be wondering, why would God use a serpent for him to heal people? Now, if someone tells you to look at a snake, would he be happy to? You wouldn't be happy to. I know for one, for my wife, she sees a snake, she's running. Even on TV, she's running. But you have to look at something as despicable as a snake for you to live. So that in its own was a punishment for them to even be able to look at that snake. And then they got healed. But one of the things about the children of Israel is they kept that aside and became an oracle for them and decided worshiping it. Now, have you noticed down in our churches now, some of us start worshiping different artifacts, isn't it? It's so sad. But God had a reason for that. For you to get your blessings, for you to get your life, you might have to look at something as despicable as that. Okay? Now, it's easy for us to look at that, the cross. It's very easy now. But in those days, for you to look at the cross was a thing of shame, wasn't it? Jesus was hanging on the cross. And we have to look up to the cross for our salvation. Praise the Lord. That is the comparison. But that does not mean the cross should be a symbol for us to worship. Praise the Lord. And that's why this king did. He broke that artifact. Praise the Lord. And then he opened the doors of the Lord in the first month and first year. So immediately he got there, he opened the doors of the temple. He didn't waste time. He didn't wait for consensus. He didn't wait to convince people. He went into action. After all, I'm the king. Open the doors of the temple. Then he brought the Levites together. Put them in the rules, in their proper rules as priests. So he started on doing what his father did, isn't it? All right? And then he led the rulers to go and worship. One thing I like about it, he said he led the rulers. He called them and he was in front. So if your king is in front of you, you are bound to follow. In your homes, if you lead your wife, they are bound to follow. Your children are bound to follow. You have to be in front. Praise the Lord. He led by example by doing that. He kept the Passover by the second month. Second month, he was keeping the Passover. And then apart from that, he invited all Israel. Now, there are two nations, but he invited Israel to come. What do you have as a leader? Or leader for field diet? Are you able to invite people to partake of what you have? A lot of us are fulfilled because we keep everything to ourselves. Praise the Lord. By the third month, they were paying their tithes and offering it in, in, the, in the temple. By the third month, they were already paying tithes and offering things that were not done. He got it done immediately. And he chose the path of godliness. We're not living a fulfilled life because we're not toying the path of godliness. Praise the Lord. Number three. It's one of my favorites. It pays to follow God. Hallelujah. It pays to follow God. Regardless of what the world will tell you, I'm telling you it pays to follow God. Hezekiah got a lot for following God. And one of the things I love was the testimony of Hezekiah. In 2 Kings 18, 5-6, it says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him. Among all the kings of Judah, nor were who, who were before him, for he held fast to the Lord, and he did not depart from following him. He kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded. There was none that after him was none like him or before him. Oh, what a testimony. What a testimony. There was none like him. Understand this. Before him and after him that trusted in the Lord that way. That was his testimony. 
and that will be counted for him on the last day. Praise the Lord. In verse uh, 8, he said, The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. He, he, wherever he went. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and his territories from water to fortified city. So he was victorious. I showed you the map of the nation of Israel, isn't it? Now, he was in Jerusalem. He moved all the way to Gaza. And he also got all the way to Egypt. And we're going to go to the next section. He did not succumb to the invasion of the Syrians, Assyrians. So he was also victorious. What victory do you look in your life? To have a fulfilled life, you must have victories. Praise the Lord. Your testimony must be sure. In 2 Chronicles 32, 27 to 28, Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. And he made himself treasures for silver, for gold, and precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items, storehouses for the vast grain of wine and oil, and stores of all kinds of livestock and foals of flocks. God wants us to prosper. Even here, he wants us to prosper. In the life after, we will prosper if we're in him. And that's why I started with his testimony. They will say that there was none like him before. He had victories here. And he had riches and honor. For you to live a fulfilled life, you have riches and honor. You have victorious circumstances. The reason why some of us did not raise our hands are saying we're not living a fulfilled life is because you feel you have not had victory in that area. Maybe your career, maybe your finances, or something else. But the Lord says he will grant you victory. Praise the Lord. And out of that victory, you will have a fulfilled life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next. Can you go to the next slide, please? The Assyrian siege. So there was a king. And there were Assyrian siege. Uh, Brother Matthew, if you can just read a bit of that. Uh, if you can read, uh, let's pick King, second, second Kings 19, 8 to 13, first of all. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they took it. Even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is, the, in the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel into Assyria and put them in Hala and in Habor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded and would not hear them nor do them. Now, in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the next slide. And I want to explain to you what happened here. The Assyrians were forced to reckon with in those days. Okay? Now, Assyrians were from Syria, Iraq, part of Iran today part of Lebanon, okay? Now, if you look at that map closely, you can see the two nations, isn't it? No, the first one, please. It might, might not be too clear, but the colors are there. In the blue area, that is Israel with Samaria. And the Assyrians came and captured that and took them as slaves. But Judah, they were not able to capture Judah. Praise the Lord. And that was where Hezekiah was, isn't it? And the Assyrians never never conquered Judah on his own. If you see some arrows that are leaving, when they went to captivity, it was the Babylonians, not the Assyrians. Let's go to the next slide. Let's see. It might not be too clear, but I'll, I'll try and explain what is here. You find out the dark green part was the Assyrian nation. Then you can see they started expanding, okay, to the lighter green areas. And you can see they all came all the way to Sinai and up to Egypt. That was how vast the kingdom was. 
That was the kingdom of the Assyrians. Now, in there, you will see a yellow dot. Okay? That was Jerusalem. That was Judah. That was where Hezekiah was. Praise the Lord. So in all of that, you had a small dot that was not taken. Was not taken by the Assyrians. They came to part of Judah. They came all the way to Lachish. 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 And they stood there, hoping to get to Jerusalem. So even with Judah, within Judah, they had taken some cities, some fortified cities, but they couldn't take the final one. You don't win a war without taking the capital. Any war you have, if you can't take the capital, you have no one. You have taken some part of the land. In Nigeria, when the Islamist ISIS started, they started from Borno, and they were, they were shouting, putting flags, putting flags. But the capital was Nabuja. <coughs> and they wouldn't have been successful unless they had taken over that capital. Any war you have, you need to take the capital. After taking the capital, any other thing is extra. Okay? But in the meantime, as I told you, Israel was taken away because they had rebelled against the Lord. They had not, they had not followed the ways of the Lord. Now, Shennacherib was a king of Assyria. So he took all those 45 cities. Can someone read verse 18 to 24 for me of verse uh, chapter 18? And when they had called to the king, they came out to them. Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shabna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asap, the recorder. And Rabshake said unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah. Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now, behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if, I, if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt unto all that trust on him. But if he say unto me, We trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah had taken away and had said to Judah and Jerusalem, Ye shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now therefore, I pray thee, give pledges to my Lord the king of Assyria, and I will deliver thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants, and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Then said Eliakim, the son of Helkiah, and Shabna, and Joah, unto Rabshakeh, Speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it. And talk not with us in the Jews' language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. Praise the Lord. I think, thank you so much, my brother. Now, what am I saying here? There was a great siege, Sennacherib. He came in, and he sent his servants, Rabashekha, isn't it? The name sounds Indian, I don't know. I know you have Rajeshekra, you know, but he sent him to go and speak to them. And when he was speaking to them, he was speaking down on them. The language there was Aramaic, but they were speaking, instead of them, the language that everybody can speak, like English, they were speaking to them in their local language, just to oppress them. Because imagine everywhere was captured, and they were boasting, we have caught these whole places. It got so bad that they will give you 2,000 horses. And let's see whether you have men that will mount it. That shows you how powerful it is. 2,000 horses. That means I'm coming to fight you. I say, okay, I'll give you. Or like say, I'll fight you and I'll put one hand behind my back. I'll fight you with one hand. I'll give you 2,000 horses, but you don't have men. Egypt cannot save you. That's what they were saying. That was the boasting they were doing. And they were rising up and saying, let the people not listen to Hezekiah. Praise the Lord. 
Does that sound like the siege in our lives? Have you ever been oppressed like that? Have you ever found yourself in a difficult situation like that? That it looks so insurmountable? And he also knowed, he also was boasting that if they, he knew the word of God because God had told them if they disobey, he will take them to captivity. He said, after all, God has said it. I will come and take you to captivity. Your God has said it. I am coming to take you. So he's even using their own words against them. So you can imagine how much faith they have lost. Yes, they will go to captivity. That's what God has said. If they disobey him. But that does not mean it's going to be in your own hand. Praise the Lord. Your destiny is in God's hands. Praise the Lord. So I just started to explain that just for you to know what conditions they were in. Let's go to number four. To live a fulfilled life. Give all for peace. Give all for peace. In our day-to-day lives, give all for peace with your brethren, with your wife, with your spouse, with your children. Give all for peace. How do you know about giving up in Kings 18, 14 to 16? Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish. That was within Judah, where they camped, just outside Jerusalem. I've done wrong. After he has not done anything, but he just told him to appeal to him. I've done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah. 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Do you know what he did? He gave out all he had for peace. He was looking for peace, isn't it? 300 talents of silver. That's nine tons of silver. 30 talents of gold. 30 talents of gold. 900 kg. 900 kilograms. Now it's almost one ton of gold. Please take. Let us have peace. And the first thing he did was he said, I have done wrong. Did Hezekiah do anything wrong? It's my country. You want to invade me? No, I have done wrong. He wanted to give peace at all times. Even within us, in our relationships, do we give all for peace? If you don't give all for peace, you can't live a fulfilled life. God bless my wife, she's not here, but she's a Sunday school. If we have an issue, she's always the one to say sorry. She's the first to say sorry. I think she picked it from her home and everything, but she's the first. Sometimes I feel the sorry is not even genuine because of the way it comes out. Praise the Lord. But that's just her. I'm sorry. I'm putting it across. Well, I mean, it might take some time to say sorry, but I won't go back to it. My wife can say sorry and Maybe she does it the next time. Sorry again. You know what I'm saying? But what am I saying? I've done wrong. Are you the first to say I've done wrong? There's no peace. There's no way you live a fulfilled life. You have to give all of it. And in some places, you have to work hard for it. The way he worked out, he gave out all he had. You don't give up. You don't give up. In your ministry, you have a troublesome person, you don't give up on him. You have a relative that's stubborn, you don't give up on him. Praise the Lord. Number five. My time was already out. Five. Communicate with God. Communicate with God. You can't have a fulfilled life without communicating with God. In that same chapter, 2 Kings 19, 14 to 19. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, that's the king of Assyria, and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God alone, you are alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear open. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands. He acknowledged, yes, he acknowledged it. They have wasted the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand, 
that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. He communicated with God. He received the letter. And what did he go and say? He said he spread it before the Lord. You go to a hospital and they give you a report and say, this is what you have. This is the sickness you have. And you have to live with it for life. So that's what they have said. But have you reported it to God? Have you communicated it with God? Have you laid it before yourself, before God? You won't have a fulfilled life when you're popping those pills and taking them for the rest of your life. Because you have not communicated with God. For me and you to live a fulfilled life, we need to communicate with God. That communication needs to be open. Hezekiah knew that. And that's why he kept that communication open. Praise the Lord. Let's move on. Number six, peace and faith is required in the face of adversary. In verse 36, but the people held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, do not answer him. He held his peace. He held his peace. He told them, don't say anything. In the face of adversary, we need to hold our peace. In 2 Chronicles 32, 78, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or not dismayed before the king of Assyria. No, before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the Lord will strengthen by the words of the king of Judah. Hezekiah the king of Judah. Praise the Lord. What am I saying? Here. Even within himself, he could see the siege. He told them to keep quiet. He presented his case to God and he came back and encouraged his people. He had faith that God was going to deliver him. So peace and faith go together. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord of God. Majority out there, minority, me and my God will overcome. Whatever circumstances you have, you need to have peace. And you need to have faith. Without that, you cannot live a fulfilled life. Praise the Lord. Number seven, prayer changes everything. So how did he win over King Sennacherib? In 2 Kings 18, 13 to 16, or 19, if you read that chapter, the angel of the Lord came at night and killed 185,000 people in the camp of the king of Assyria. Did he fight? No. He didn't fight. Praise the Lord. You find out that the angel came out there. He killed 185,000. Now you, the Assyrian that were on the hunter, you became the hunter, isn't it? And he arose and ran back to his country. Because if I'm, if I'm at war and I wake up and I see 185,000 of my people have been killed, what is left? I better leave this place. And he left. He fled. In verse 37, now it came to pass as he was worshiping the temple of Nishrok, his God, that his sons, Adramalek and Shazar, struck him down with a sword, and they escaped in the land of Arat. The Esarahadon, his son, reigned in his place. His guy did not leave a sword, he won a battle. But the man was boasting against the king of Israel. And even in his home in Assyria, his kills, his children killed him. That was his faith. Because the prayer of one man, prayer changes everything. And if you continue in chapter 20, you'll find out they told him, get your house in order. You are about to die, isn't it? We're very aware of this story of his kind. That's the most popular one that we know. Get your house in order. You're going to die. And this was Prophet Isaiah telling him, someone they held in esteem, get your house in order, you're going to die, telling the king. That was a report that was coming from God, isn't it? From God, from God. It wasn't from man like you will have in the Assyrian kingdom. But what did Hezekiah do? Then he turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, remember now, O Lord, I prayed how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart. 
and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I'll add to your days 15 years. I'll deliver it and this city from the hands of the king of Assyria. I'll defend the city for my own and for the sake of my servant David. Okay? And that's why I tell you, communicating with God. I'll receive the message from the prophet. But God, see what I've done. He had a lot of credit with God. I've followed your ways. God. And that was the first time they said they've added to someone's years 15 years. 15 years. And this guy did not even go back. He said, prove it to me. You're going to add to my, my days. Let the shadow go back by 40 minutes, isn't it? And the shadow went back by 40 minutes. So what am I saying? Prayer changes everything. It changes everything. They got a victory. It changed God's mind towards Hezekiah. But don't forget, Hezekiah had reason to engage God. God, this is what I've done. This is how I've tried to do this. Please. They said it was balls and he had to take some figs. Fig trees and figs and, uh, and different things. So if you can change the mind of God for you concerning you, what is it on earth that it cannot change? Prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. I was in the early morning prayer, and I think uh, Brother Frank was talking about someone said, oh, my health condition is like this. I have to live with this all the days. And he also said, he said that is the story that they have. It can change. It can be diabetic. They'll tell you you need to take insulin or whatever it is. Go before God. That can change. That can change. Prayer changes everything. And then if you know that, you will live a fulfilled life. You persevere in the, way of, in the place of prayer, it will change everything. Now, I won't give you 10 points without giving you some other side. As God was as good as he is, he also had some own issues. Isn't it? Number eight, success can breed pride. Success can breed pride. 2 Kings 20, 12 to 14. At the time, Berodak and Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and presents to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah was attentive to them, and showed them all, all the house of his treasures, the silver, the gold, the spices, precious ointment, and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Okay? So he has finished the Assyrians. The Babylonians were taking over. Isn't it? And they found out that the king of Israel was about to die. So they sent messengers to him. Oh, we heard that you were sick and you have recovered. And instead of Hezekiah just coming to say, oh, thank you, I've recovered, thanks be to God. But by that time, he has already gotten success. He has already gotten to him. He has gotten a lot of his treasures back. Then he decided to boast and show his wealth. He showed them every item that he had. And why did he do that? He did that from a place of pride. I've won a battle. You guys are coming. My money has come back. I'm, I'm wealthy. A lot of times, when God prospers us on this nation, in this world that we're living in, pride sets into our lives. And we tend to forget our first calling. As God will bless you, you have to guard yourself against pride. Praise the Lord. Someone will come and tell me, why aren't Christians so rich as the non-believers? I say, one, 
two reasons. One, we're not practicing the tenets of the Bible and following properly. Two, God. God loves your soul. Sometimes God knows if he gives us some blessings, we cannot handle it. Because he knows at the time I blesses my child, he's off a tangent. He blessed Hezekiah. And Hezekiah started going off the tangent when the Babylonians came. Unfortunately, those Babylonians were the downfall of Hezekiah, isn't it? They're the ones, as I told you earlier, they were the ones that came and took him captive. Praise the Lord. So whatever we succeed, don't forget where you're coming from. Your roots is, I'm a child of God. I cannot compromise on any stance. First thing first, I'm a child of God. And by the time you know you're a child of God, God will bless you the more. But if your light pride get into, into, into your play, you will lose the scope. Number nine. Guard your blessings. Guard your blessings, isn't it? Guard your blessings. Who has heard of Eli Cohen? Have you heard of anybody has heard of Eli Cohen? Eli Cohen was an Israeli spy that worked in Syria. Praise the Lord. He grew up and became very, very close to the Minister of Defense in Syria. But you can remember the Golan Heights War. Yeah? The Golan Heights that has been seized and annexed by Israel. And that was, a, uh, they call it the Six-Day War. I think they won the Golan Heights in two days. Now, when he became so close to the military advisor, he got a rare opportunity to go to the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights are, are set on a mountain. And because of the strategic location, any military that owns those heights has superior power over the nation. And when he entered the Golan Heights, he started pitying the soldiers that were there in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the sun. He said, no, that is too hot for them. They should plant trees in their location. And they planted trees in the location where the soldiers were hiding. So when the war came, the Israeli Air Force and Army knew where to strike. And that's how they got the Golan Heights in two days. Of course, he was later caught and he was executed. But what am I trying to say? The Syrians opened themselves that they, they shared their vital secrets with him. The same thing with Hezekiah. When the Babylonians came, they took everything because they had an inventory of everything. Because he told them, he told them, what has God told you that you're declaring to the world? There are things that God has asked you, you need to guard it until the time reaches for God to tell you. Now, don't get me wrong. Please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should not share your, share your testimony. Share your testimony. Someone will be lifted up. But there are things that you share in pride. There are things that work in progress that God has not asked you to share. There are some things that you need to guard. It's between you and God for the first time. Isn't it? So we need to learn that. For it to remain, we need to guard what has God has given us. Number 10. Accept your mistakes. In 2 Kings 20, 19, Hezekiah is in normal way. The way he said to Assyrians is the same way he said to God. He said, I accept I was wrong. Praise the Lord. He said, I accept I was wrong. He did not argue with God. That shows you the maturity of this man. I was wrong. Of course, there are consequences. The consequences was after that the Babylonians took them to captivity, isn't it? In life, to live a fulfilled life, you need to accept your mistakes. If you don't accept your mistakes, there's no way you'll progress. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Those are the 10 points that we can pick from the life of Hezekiah. 
to living a fulfilled life. Now, my question is, did he live a fulfilled life? What is your verdict? I'll say yes. Hezekiah lived a fulfilled life by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. 54 years he died. His active years in service was 29 years. Easily some of us are ranges 20 to 60 or whatever it is, or 60 plus. But he lived a fulfilled life. If you look back, and this is conclusion, can we go to conclusion? In Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Conclusion, next slide please. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, Therefore we also since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is what we are asked to do. After all said and done, can you look back and say you have lived a fulfilled life on earth as a Christian? And what is stopping you from living a fulfilled life? A lot of the things I mentioned is among those 10 points that are stopping you from living a fulfilled life. You can either be looking at your heritage, maybe you have not put God first. Or you don't know that following Christ is the best thing that can happen to you? Or you don't have peace or faith in the face of adversary? Or you don't know that prayer changes things? Or you know your success breeds pride? Or you're not giving peace a chance in your day-to-day activity? Or one thing that's important, you're not communicating with God. I love that part, communicating with God. Now, we're going to the season of Easter, isn't it? And in John 19, 8 to 30, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were not accomplished, the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now, a vessel of sour wine was sitting there. And they filled a sponge with sour wine and put in on his sup and put it in his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And by his head, he gave up his spirit. After knowing Jesus, knowing that all things now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. 33 years. And that was the end. All things have been accomplished. All. Understand this. All things. A fulfilled life. All things have been accomplished. He said, it is finished. I pray that at the end of time, that each one of us can look back and say, we have lived a fulfilled life. And we're able to say, it is finished. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We had a message that spoke deep into our hearts this morning or this afternoon. There's one thing that God wants us to set right. He wants us to set our house in order. And that's the word that God wants for all of us. He wants us to set our house in order. After the resurrection, Jesus met Peter and he asked him three times the same question. Peter, do you love me? 
more than these. The enemy's strategy is to get your Jerusalem, and your Jerusalem is where and what lies within your heart. The question that the Lord wants to ask us this afternoon is, do you love your life more than Jesus? What will be your answer this afternoon? Do you love your life more than Christ? What will you answer him? Do you love your jobs more than Christ? God brought us into this land, but we are starting to love our jobs more than what he has called us to do in this land. That's a question the Lord is asking us this afternoon. He's asking us this afternoon, do you love your health more than me? That you spend so much of time in making sure that you look good for this world, but are you looking good for me? The Lord is asking us, do you love your education? That you pursue one degree after another degree, and you're not stopping, which is good. But is that more than what you love the Lord? The Lord is asking us, and this is our for parents, do you love your children more than me? What is in your heart? In the throne room of your heart, who is seated? Is it my son that is seated? Or is it that you have raised your children above me? He's asking us, in your heart that you give more importance to your spouse, that you want to cater to every need, but you fail to cater to me. He's asking us, do you love that car that I gave you so much that even a small scratch on that car, you get offended and you curse, but you forget about me. I failed there. I failed in that area. And nowadays, maybe in the times of Jesus, this question would never have been asked. But now the question is, do you love your cell phone more than Christ? That you go everywhere, even in your toilet, you carry it. But you carry me everywhere where you go. It's a very serious question that God is asking us. And we need to answer it faithfully today. If that is what you carry all your life, there is what lies in your heart. And to many who have fallen in this area, do you love your TV, your TV programs more than me? Today we need to ask ourselves this question, who is it that we love more than Christ? And if you have got an answer to this, we need to repent today. Because God told the king, set your house in order. Today he's asking us, set your life in order. I want us to read a scripture before we close. Let us turn to Deuteronomy 28. When we learn to love God more than all these things, there is a blessing for us in Jesus' name. Can we stand up, please? We'll read verses 1 to 14. And if the verse is appropriate to you, you can say an amen to that, and that will be your portion in Jesus' name today. Verse 1, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commands that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of your cattle. The increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. 
Blessed shall be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessings on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people only to himself as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways and all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of the womb and in the fruit of your life baskets and in the fruit of your ground. Within the land the Lord you sown to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury. The heavens will give the rain to your land in the season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will take you the head. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commands of the Lord your God which I have commanded you, being faith, careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of these words that I command you to, today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods and serve them. We have set other gods before us. Today is the day that we ask God, give me the grace that these words will be fulfilled in our lives in Jesus' name. Let us bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord God. Lord, we pray this morning. We pray for your servant that you use to speak to us. Give us the grace to obey, Lord God, everything that you have spoken today. Give us the grace to meditate upon your word, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your son. We ask you to bless him, Lord God, more. Bless his family, Lord God. Use him, Father, for your glory. And Lord, I pray very specially for everyone who's here today. Father, we pray that this word will be in our hearts, Lord God. We will meditate upon it. Lord, give us the strength to obey your word, Master. Father, we pray that every blessing we prayed and we read today will be our portion in Jesus' name, Lord God. Father, everyone that is looking for a job, that is looking for healing, that is looking for restoration, that is looking to come back to you, Father, we pray, Master, that you would answer their prayers. Lord, every prayer that is raised to you in this house today, we pray that you will remember us, Lord God. Father, we say thank you for this day. May your presence go with your children, Master. Help them to walk before you faithfully all the days of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget, newcomers, the moment the service is over on your left, and those of you who are for the last six months attending church, you could meet our, our pastors or you could meet Brother Kenneth and he will give you the direction for the next program. Let us share the grace together. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.